Awesome. Well, it is uh, great to uh, have each one of you here. And uh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's a good, good day in the, uh, in the house of the Lord, as well as a lovely smoky day out in the Salt Lake Valley. It is fantastic. How many of you like this time of summer, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we've all been there, I think, in the middle of significant decisions. We want to know that we are making the right decision. Is anybody else with me on that one? You want to know that you are making the right decision. So, uh, how many of you have friends, right? And you go to your friends and you say, hey, I need some help on this decision. Am I, am I making the right decision? And you go to them and you get confused. And then you go to your family because surely your family can help you out. And you go to your family and they confuse you even more, right? And so then you go to strangers online. <laughs> you go to Quora or something like that and you go, this is how I'm going to find out what it is, right? Big decision. Uh, but we, we usually end up, and, and I don't, maybe I'm the only one that does this, uh, end up in that moment where uh, you do this. Oh God, give me a sign that this decision I am making is the right decision. Anybody ever ask God for a sign? Anybody? Raise your hand real quick. Keep them up, keep them up. Right? Look around, look around. Everybody else raising your hand, look at that, right? We are in good company, right? Because I know that I have asked God to, uh, to do that uh, for me as well. So as a young man, I remember back, uh, well, April 21st, 1988, I wrote in my journal. You ready for this one? And I got in trouble first service with my, with my wife on this one. So, um, uh, so there was a, I did not know my wife at this time. And so I, I say things about this particular individual who is not my wife, but was a girl when I was 17 years of age, so I can be forgiven. And um, so there was this girl that I really liked here in the Salt Lake Valley. And I was looking for a sign from God. I'm 17, remind, you know, and I'm like, God, is she the one, right? We start asking that question. Uh, anybody ever ask, God, is she the one or is he the one? Anybody? Ask, okay, good, because as long as I'm not alone in this thing. And this is what I wrote. She is still the best girl that I know. <laughs> 17. She's perfect in so many ways. And I wrote down some things. And then here was, here was the kicker. Every time I had gone over to her house where, you know, her family and all that stuff, it was a season of my life. And I just, I, I wanted to be with her family because her mom and dad were really important to me and all this stuff, but then she was as well. And so I wanted to be there, but for some reason, she would always kind of make it plain that she wanted me to leave. I mean, that was kind of weird, okay? On this day though, remember, I'm looking for a sign. She didn't want me to leave. Hopefully, this is a, in capital letters, very good sign from God that she's the one, right? Okay, in that moment. That, am I the only one that write, wrote things like that? <laughs> Dear diary. Okay, that's kind of what it was, right? And it was just like this moment, God, is she the one? I'm looking for a sign. And she didn't ask me to leave. So that was my sign from God. That's great. Another one, if she calls me by 10 p.m., then I know that that's a good sign. Um, how about this one? And you've done this before. I know you have because I have done this uh, before. Uh, something along the lines of, if I get that unexpected check in the mail, then I will know what I purchased last week was right in the eyes of God. <laughs> right? You already made the purchase, and so it's too late. You know, whatever. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, if I get that parking spot at the very front, then I know God is real. 
You ever prayed that prayer? Because I have prayed that prayer before. If I'm driving and I'm quick in a hurry, Lord, if there's a parking spot right up front, I know you're real, okay? Um, if my line in the checkout line is faster than the other ones, faster than that, that lady that cut me off in aisle six, and if my line is faster because we got there at the same time, then I know God is a God of mercy. <laughs> and definitely this one when I was uh, much, much younger, not in any time in the last couple of weeks. If that cop that I just passed when I was going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit, if that cop doesn't get me, <laughs> then I know God is real, right? So sometimes we do look for signs from God. We do. It's just, it's, I think it's part of our nature in a weird sort of way. Um, but looking for those signs sometimes can get us, or can sometimes get in our way as we start really paying attention to the signs rather than what might be very, very obvious around us. That is God trying to get our attention. And there's this very human story in the book of Judges that I want to start off with as we begin a new series today. It's, and this guy sounds an awful lot like us. Israel was being oppressed by a much more powerful nation. God had pinpointed one individual, this guy by the name of Gideon, to be the one who's going to begin uh, freeing the nation of Israel, the fledgling new nation of Israel, from this oppressor nation. And God says, uh, Gideon, I've got something for you to do. Gideon tells God, God, you've got the wrong person. I'm, I'm from an inconsequential family. I don't have much, but... Here's what the story says, Judges chapter 6. Gideon said to him, said to God, if you really are pleased with me, then give me a sign as proof that it is really you speaking to me. You ever asked, is this really God speaking to me? He wants a sign. Do not leave this place. This is the sign. Do not leave this place until I come back with a gift to present to you. The Lord said, I will stay here until you come back. And the Lord did stay there, providing an answer to the sign that Gideon is looking for. But we begin to see a new pattern uh, happening in Gideon's life very soon after this. In uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 36, another interaction takes place. Gideon said to God, if you really intend to use me to deliver Israel as you promised, then give me a sign as proof. I'm putting a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and the ground around it is dry, then I will be sure that you will use me to deliver Israel. As you promised. The Lord did as he asked. So God, I need another sign. That hadn't even, I mean, the, the dew probably hadn't even dried on the ground yet in Judges 6.39. So right after this, the very next uh, verse, Gideon said to God, please do not get angry with me when I ask for just one more sign. Please allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, make only the fleece dry while the ground around it is covered with dew. That night, God did as he asked. So Gideon was needing a sign and another sign and another sign that God was actually with him, that God was actually asking Gideon to do whatever it is that God was asking Gideon to do. Now, God did answer this request. I think God had great mercy on Gideon. But there's a pattern that's revealed here that I think is super important to recognize. The sign in itself might not be enough. 
because we begin down this weird sort of path that, well, I got that sign and I need another sign to make sure that the sign that I just had, that that sign is actually a sign that I thought that it was. Otherwise, it's not the sign I was looking for, so I need another sign to let me know about this sign, <laughs> right? Okay, we get in this weird sort of pattern that's going on there. And in fact, if you look at Gideon's life in Judges chapter 6 all the way through Judges chapter 8, at the very end or toward the end of Gideon's life, he actually begins making a sign for himself. And that sign was a, called a, it was a linen ephod that he made for himself. It had jewels all over it and gold and, and things like that. And the Bible says that this sign became a trap for Gideon and the entire nation of Israel. Gideon was so bound by signs that he had to make his own signs. God, I need a sign from you. But we may actually miss him in the process. I'm going to invite you to uh, turn your attention to the screen for an awareness test. Maybe you've seen this before, but uh, if you have, you can stay quiet. If you haven't, uh, watch this and enjoy. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in should white be audio make? with this. You count the passes there. The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? Do you see the bear right in the middle? How many of you saw the bear the first time? How many did not see the bear the first time? Pretty fantastic. Or the second time. <laughs> After service, we can show it again uh, for you. Okay, so this is actually a phenomenon. And what that phenomenon is called is inattentional blindness. Inatten you guys just experienced inattentional blindness, and this is what it is. It's the failure to notice a fully visible but unexpected object because the attention was engaged on another task, event, or object. You were worried about how many passes were going on, and there is a moonwalking bear, albeit a very poorly moonwalking bear, <laughs> moonwalking bear going across that screen, and you didn't even notice it because your attention was elsewhere. And I really believe that this kind of happens to us. We can suffer this kind of phenomenon, not just in things we see, right? But we can suffer this phenomenon spiritually as well. We can get our minds and our hearts and our spirits and our eyes so fixed on these signs that are out there. God, I need a sign, I need a sign, I need a sign, I need a sign, that we miss God right smack dab in the middle of our lives. And so this brings us to our new series. Please turn to John chapter 20. Uh, verse 30 and 31, and then we'll jump down to John chapter 21. Um, it's here that we discover something fascinating about the book of John. It is here that he purposely puts um, a very, very clear uh, marker for us to understand what the book of John is all about. Now, most of the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they don't necessarily have something so clear and so vibrant for us to look at, but John uh, put something here for us to begin to understand. And over the next couple of months, we're going to be unpacking some specific events in Jesus' life that are, that are going to help us understand why John wrote the book 
of John. And uh, in each one of these uh, events in Jesus' life, uh, we're going to find something that is going to transform us. And sometimes it's very subtle. Sometimes it is absolutely in your face. But I know that God is going to do some great stuff over the next couple of weeks. And so in this passage, we're going to wrestle with this big idea of signs, right? Asking for a sign from God. In John chapter 20, beginning at verse 30. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence. Signs that aren't recorded in this scroll or in this book. So John's saying, hey, there's a lot of other things that Jesus did that aren't recorded in this. But these particular signs, these particular miraculous signs, I am including them for a very specific purpose. He says, but these things, or these signs are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's son. And that believing, you will have life in his name. So there's a lot in the gospels that we don't see. And then a little bit later in John chapter 21, at the very end, he says, Jesus did many other things as well. If all of them were recorded, I imagine that the world itself wouldn't have enough room for the scrolls that would be written. So something that blew my mind when I, when I read this uh, earlier this week. So scholars have concluded that the gospels only record about 50 days of Jesus' ministry on earth. In all the combined gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about 50 days of his ministry are recorded. Jesus' ministry lasted roughly three and a half years, so somewhere around 1,200 days that Jesus was in public ministry, and we have 50 of those days recorded. It's only about 4%. Um, of Jesus' activities and his time of ministry that we have recorded for us. So imagine the conversations, imagine the teaching and the ministry that we know nothing of except <laughs> from what's written down in the Gospels for us to read. And it's quite clear from the Gospels that they never sat down to write a full account, like a day-by-day -day accounting of Jesus' life. Every one of them are picking and choosing stories and picking and choosing um, different aspects of Jesus' experience for the purpose of telling the story of who Jesus is. But it's only John who sets out and says, I'm going to write down seven miraculous signs that Jesus gives. And in showing you and telling you about these seven miraculous signs, all of these are pointing one direction. To belief in Jesus Christ as God's one and only son. And that in believing in him, you will have life. This is why John wrote the entire book of John. And it's kind of like John, because uh, with his ministry, we know that he ministered for many, many years. Um, that the book of John was written about between 80 and 90 AD. So about 50 years after Jesus uh, ascended into heaven, roughly. And uh, during those intervening 50 years, John had the opportunity to preach more than one message. <laughs> and so more than likely what the book of John is, is as John sat down and, and realized, oh, I continue to preach about this and this story and this story and this story and he realized that every one of these stories that he's probably preaching and bringing, uh, bringing to the forefront is a story that's going to lead to belief in Jesus Christ. So at the end he says, I have written this so that you may believe in Jesus and that belief will lead to life in Jesus. I'm gonna invite our worship team uh, to come on up here as we close out and get ready for communion here in just a couple moments. 
And so uh, John talks about signs, these miracles that point to Jesus. And the thing is, is that these signs, unlike Gideon's, these signs don't point to other signs. It's not like I need this sign and then this sign and then this sign. Every one of these signs point to Jesus and him alone. It's not about seeking signs that John is so concerned with, but the signs are a means to an end. And these signs tell the most important story that was, has ever been told, that of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. In John chapter 12, we have the sober reminder that we can miss the obvious in front of us. If you, go through, uh, if you go through the Gospels, one of the common things that you see in all four of the Gospels is at some point, somebody is asking Jesus for a sign. Somebody, I mean, you see this over and over again. Uh, Jesus, give us a sign that you have authority. Jesus, give us a sign that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, give us a sign. Give us a sign. It happens over and over and over again, and it's kind of like that inattentional blindness that we just experienced. Plain in front of them is the Messiah, the one and only Son of God, and yet they are trying to pay so close attention to the signs that they miss Jesus. In John chapter 12, verse 37, it says this, Jesus had done many miraculous signs before the people, but they didn't believe him. That really breaks my heart. I mean, when you think about it, right, there's Jesus, the son of God, and the inattentional blindness <laughs> in the world around them, and they missed the obvious son of God. So what's the point for us today? Signs point, right? Signs point and they help us, uh, you know, along in our life, but signs aren't the point, <laughs> but they do point. And in John, these signs are miracles that point to Jesus, right? John records just seven miracles of Jesus. We know Jesus did hundreds and hundreds more from the other gospels, but for John, these seven signs in particular point directly to Jesus, for us today, I really believe one of the greatest signs that we have is our own transformed lives. Right? This life that has been redeemed, this life that is a new creation, this life that, yeah, I'm still messed up, I still don't do everything right, but this life has been transformed by Jesus. And so my life becomes a sign. My life isn't the point, right? It's not about me, but my life should point. And my life should point one direction to Jesus and Jesus alone. He should be everything that is pointed at every one of our lives, making that declaration that Jesus is God's one and only son. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet as we uh, celebrate communion together. And um, if you arrived here this morning and you did not get a communion cup, can you please just raise your hand really quickly and we'll make sure that uh, you have it right up here in front and uh, up in the balconies as well. Just make sure you get a, a communion cup. And here at Life Church, we do celebrate what's called open communion. 
And all that that means is, is that you don't have to be a member of Life Church. You don't even have to be a regular attender of Life Church. We just ask that you be part of the family of God, right? That becomes the, the foundation for us as believers in Jesus. And so the thing is, is that the greatest sign of all, I believe, is that cross of Jesus Christ, right? Whenever we see that symbol, it really is a sign that is pointing to what Jesus did on that cross, that he gave himself for us when we didn't deserve it. The Bible says while we were still enemies, that he died for us. We desperately need him, folks. We desperately need him. Um, the life that we experience doesn't come except through the cross of Christ because it's only him who can regenerate us. It's only him who can reconcile us to the Father. And all of this points to that singular moment of the nails driven in its hands and feet, his blood shed for us so that through his death, we find life, true life. We find new creation, new hope. We find dignity in our life that hasn't been found before. John chapter 14 uh, says this of Jesus. He says, we've already sang a little bit about this this morning, but he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you've really known me, you will also know the Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. You wonder what God is like? We don't have to look any further than Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He transforms our lives. And Jesus now lives within us through the power of his spirits. So we wonder if God loves us. We wonder if God loves us. We see the picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the love that he has for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul is speaking. He says, I received a tradition from the Lord, which I also handed on to you. On the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. If you could just hold on to the piece of bread. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, for what this bread represents that this wafer represents your body that was broken for us. And Lord, that this, uh, this sign in a lot of ways points directly back to you. God, it doesn't point to us. It doesn't point to any sort of greatness that we might have on our own. But Jesus, it points back to the cross where you bore our sins and our punishments. We deserved it, but you took it. And so, Lord, we are grateful that you gave your life for us and that in the breaking of your body, we have healing. In the breaking of your body, we have hope. In the breaking of your body, we have joy unspeakable. In the, in the breaking of your body, we have new life. Lord, we don't take that for granted. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself for us. In your name we pray. Let's partake together. And if you want to carefully uh, open up that second section.
It says he did the very same, or he did the same thing with the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink it, do this to remember me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you broadcast or you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. So inherent in this is the fact that Jesus is alive, <laughs> that he is returning for us. And the sign of the cross does not, sign, uh, does not point to a dead savior, but an alive God who is over all. And we look forward to his return. And so Jesus, thank you for giving yourself for us this cup that represents your blood that was shed for us. Lord, thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you, God, in the midst of our disobedience that you provided a way back to relationship with the Father. Jesus, we stand overwhelmed at your grace and your goodness because, God, you provided the way for us. You are the one who provided peace for us. And, Lord, we are so, so grateful. So, God, make a new way in our lives through the grace and faith that you bring us because of the work done on the cross. Jesus, thank you. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. And this is who he is. Let's sing together. This is who he is. Hallelujah. Worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. This is who you are, God. That is who you are. God, you're the miracle worker. The way maker, God. Way maker, miracle. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you need a miracle today, let's lift our hands to Him. Lord, we thank you. Way maker. God, make a way for your people. Make a way, oh God. This is who you are, oh God. Lord, you're the promise keeper. This is who you are. This is who you are, God. Hallelujah. One more time. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Thank you, God. Father, we stand here as your people. And God, we thank you for the signs that you give us that point us to you. God, we don't look for signs for signs' sake, but Lord, we turn our eyes to you. And God, really that greatest sign of all is the cross. Thank you for new life. Thank you for peace that you bring us. Thank you for redeeming these broken lives and broken hearts that are disobedient and for giving us new life. Father, I pray your blessing upon your people. 
And God, as we look to you for our strength, I ask God that the, the life change you brought to us, God, the transformation that has happened in us away from death into life, that God, we ourselves become the sign that you desire, God, that turns others to you, Jesus. And God, as you've called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like you, Jesus, help us to be more like you. Help our lives to be found in the cross of Jesus Christ. Help our lives to be found in the grace, Lord, that you extend to us and the forgiveness that you so freely give. God, help us to live lives that are generous. Help us, God, to intentionally love those around us. And God, help us to be grounded in your word so that, Lord, we know the steps we should take in our lives. Turn us, turn us towards you, God. We give you all the glory and the praise this day. Lord, help us as we leave from here to represent you well to a lost and a broken world. And uh, God will be sure to give you all the glory. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen and amen, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here today. We'll see you next week as we continue our series seven. God bless you.